Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. John chapter 11, if you're there, say, I'm there. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Verse 8, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Several times in this passage, we see the word believe. Believe comes from the Greek word pistuo, which means to entrust and have confidence in someone or something. This word appears in the New Testament 244 times, 109 of those in the book of John, and eight times in this passage alone. And the main thing that John wants to get, the main drive of this entire passage is for one purpose, and that is to give people an opportunity to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, and to have confidence in Jesus. So we have the disciples, then we have Mary and Martha, who at this time are already, by definition, Christians, right? They're already followers of Christ. Why is he saying that he wants them to believe in him if they're already Christians? That is because he's not speaking to their belief just to be a follower of Christ, but he's speaking to them about believing in who he is. Jesus wants to give them in this story an opportunity to believe in him. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do in us today. He's wanting us to be believers again. Not just Christians as believers, but to be people that believe Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus wants us to trust him again. Jesus wants us to have confidence in him again. And he wants us to believe that today, right now, 2021, he is the same miracle-working Savior that walked the earth 2,000 years ago. The stories we read in this book, it's not just stories. He wants us to believe again that the impossible is possible, church. He really is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He really is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He really is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. God wants us to believe again, church, more than just words out of a book or lyrics on a screen. God's us, he wants us to believe again that through him all things are possible. I know I'm an imperfect person just like you, and I know that sometimes when the going gets tough, it's hard to keep believing. And that brings me to my first point today. We can't let our crisis overshadow our confidence. Instead, let your confidence in God overshadow your crisis. Too often in life, we allow whatever crisis we're in, whatever present circumstances we're in, our emotions or our fears to influence us. They influence our confidence in God. And when things are great, we have no problems lifting our hands in worship. We have no problems lifting our voice. We clap our hands. We got our jazz hands on. Hallelujah. Everything's good. But what about when we walk down into the valley? Jazz hands turn into pocket hands. Joyful singing turns into reluctant mumbling. 
church just becomes a thing that we do on Sundays, but not an opportunity for us to see our great God do great and impossible things. There are a few different characters in this story in John 11 that I want to draw our attention to today. And the first one I want to talk about are the bypassers. The bypassers. These are people who ignore or avoid an obstruction. Now, you may be listening to me today and say, bro, bypasser is not a word. You would be right. But I did see this on your dictionary.com. And since everything on the internet is true... I'm going to roll with it. (laughs) Bypassers allow their current crisis to overshadow their confidence in God. And we see that right here in this passage in verse 8. The disciples are talking with Jesus and they say to him, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back? Jesus, he gets news of his sick friend and then he wants to do something about it. And then the disciples are there And they let the crisis overshadow their confidence in the Savior that's right in front of them. I mean, here's Jesus. He's seeing an impossible situation and said, well, maybe with man it's impossible, but with God, with me, all things are possible. And the people that were closest to him were like, no, man, we don't want to do that. Because you could be killed or worse, we could be killed. See, the disciples couldn't see past their crisis. If they had looked at the Savior that was right in front of them, they could have seen past their crisis to the potential miracle that's on the other side of that crisis. And the disciples objected to the possibility of Jesus saving Lazarus because they were afraid. They like Lazarus just fine. He's a bro. We've hung out. We broke bread together. We like Lazarus. Mary and Martha, they're cool too. But they let their crisis... And their fear bypassed the problem of the friend's sickness because of that obstruction. They were afraid of being killed. They were afraid of watching their Savior be killed. And even after they had seen Jesus do so many impossible things, they were still afraid. And everything took a back seat to that fear. And that's real, right? Fear? Is it just me? Fear is real, right? Because we face things all the time that make us fearful. I mean, the last 12 months have been kind of weird. I've been afraid more than once over the last year. And then there's this battle when we're in the midst of a crisis between fear and faith. But how it's supposed to be is that our confidence in God overshadows the fear. It overshadows the crisis. But that's not how it is all the time. And I want you to know today that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to feel fear. That's a real emotion. But what Jesus doesn't want is for that fear to influence our faith. He doesn't want that crisis to overshadow our confidence in him. Because when our crisis says this is impossible, our confidence in Christ should say, no, with God, all things are possible. Number two, don't think God has abandoned you. Instead, trust that God will amaze you. Every single one of us has been in a crisis that's caused us to question God's faithfulness. And maybe over these last nine or ten months, you've been questioning God's faithfulness. Maybe you've been feeling like God's abandoned you. God, where are you? 
There's no toilet paper. God, I need my triple ply. I'm using paper towels and tissues. God, you left me here. Why, God? How could you let this happen? God, Chick-fil-A is closed every day now. God, I need my chicken. I mean, you're laughing, but we, we all thought that, right? Come on. In all seriousness, no, all of us, we've had to make so many adjustments in the last year because of COVID. And we've been walking through a crisis together. So there's been the global crisis, but then there's the each personal individual crises that have come along the way. We've all been facing different things. And when we're in the middle of a crisis, our humanity, our flesh, we want to point the finger at someone. Because somebody has to be at fault for this, right? Someone needs to be held responsible. Unfortunately, for us, we point that finger at God and we blame him. When we're here and things are great, we thank God. But when things go south, we blame God. There's a few people like that in the story here, and these people are the blamers. The blamers. People who assign responsibility for a wrongdoing. No, this isn't a word either, but it was on that one website, so we're rolling with that too. We have some people here that are observing this interaction between Jesus and these two sisters. These people were witnesses to what Jesus had done earlier. If you go back to John chapter 9, these people remembered, wait, there was a dude back then, he was blind. Verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You know, these people are like, we literally just saw you heal a stranger, but this guy that you supposedly loved, you let him die? What's that about? And they blame Jesus. And unfortunately then for them, it's like, well, not only is his fault, but I guess he really isn't the savior that he said he was. And that's us when we get in the midst of a crisis. God, you're all powerful. You do this. You're a miracle worker. And then when we are waiting for our miracle, we lose sight of that. And we doubt that God is who he says he is. And this isn't any different than in Matthew 27, 42. Christ is hanging on the cross. And they say, he saved others. They scoffed. But he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe in him. Again, this word, believe. They wanted something right then in that moment. Like we can believe God when things are good, but the moment we're in crisis, we stop believing in him. Or God didn't come through me right now in this moment in my timing, so I'm going to stop believing in him. We'll blame God for where we're at. And there isn't a better example of this than the nation of Israel in the book of Exodus. And I don't have time to go into all of this, but a quick recap, if you've never read or heard the story. So we have this people, the nation of Israel, millions of people, they're slaves in Egypt, hundreds of years. And then Moses comes, there's 10 plagues. One of them was the Passover. The spirit of death came, killed all the firstborn children, except it passed over all the Israelites' houses. Go read about it. 
which turned into the Passover holiday, which they still celebrate even today. So you have this nation of slaves, and they're living this, you know, impossible life because we're stuck in slavery. But then after God intervenes, Pharaoh sets them free. Yay, God saved us. Let's go to the promised land. Pack up their stuff. I mean, it really has not been that long. Here's the Red Sea in front of them. Even though God's right there in a pillar of fire as a cloud, I mean, God's presence is literally right there. I mean, they can physically see it. But they hear the chariots coming behind them. They look at the water in front of them. They're like, we're trapped. We're all dead. Here's another impossible situation. And they actually said this in Exodus 14. It would have been better to be slaves in Egypt than to die in the desert. I mean, God was physically right there in front of them, manifested, and for them, all they could see was their current crisis, and they felt like God had abandoned them. But then God uses this impossible circumstance to do something amazing. He parts the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground, got the walls of water on the right and the left. It's pretty cool. They get to the other side. God, you're amazing. Oh, my gosh, what a miracle. You must really love us. Six weeks later, that's what it says on the 15th day of the second month. Six weeks later, they're in the desert and they're hungry. God, you've abandoned us. We're starving. We're going to die. Another impossible circumstance. God did something amazing there too. Gave him quail. Gave him manna. Not too long after that, we're thirsty. God, you've abandoned. I mean, do you guys get where, I mean, this is like the, sometimes I'm like, these people are so dumb. But then I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> Shoot. Because we do the same thing when we're in a crisis. We're quick to blame God, and then we immediately think he abandoned us. We live in this instant gratification world, and we have this instant gratification mindset, and therefore we assume that if our miracle doesn't come right now, in the time frame that I see fit, God's abandoned me, and therefore he won't come through at all, and I won't believe in him anymore. And Pastor John spoke into this a couple weeks ago when he talked and reminded us about how miracles, they don't happen all the time overnight. Sometimes we need to wait a little while for our miracle. But even if you're still waiting, that doesn't mean it's not on its way. Even though it's difficult, keep your confidence in God. And no matter how difficult that crisis is, trust him. Because at the right time, he's going to amaze you. He will amaze you. This is my last point. When we see an overwhelming mess, God sees an opportunity for a miracle. There are a couple commonalities with the characters in this passage that I want to draw our attention to, to today. And the first one is grief. Every character in this story saw the mess of death. And they saw the grief that comes along with that. Mary and Martha were both grieving. We have other people that are grieving. Mary and Martha said the exact same thing to Jesus. You know, in Mary's case, she could barely even speak. She got out a sentence and she fell at the feet of Jesus. We know from Luke chapter 10, that was her comfort. Being at the feet of Jesus, it was a place she was familiar with. Can I just encourage you? When crisis comes, you need to know where to go for comfort. For Martha, the very presence of Jesus was enough for her to feel comforted as she was somehow able to acknowledge both the divinity 
in the sovereignty of Christ despite her own grief. Which brings us to the third type of character in the story, and that is the believers. These are people who have confidence in the truth and reliability of someone or something. And in this story, that someone is Jesus. Mary and Martha continued to trust in Jesus. Both of them, they knew that in spite of their grief, Jesus was still good. In spite of their crisis, they were still confident in their Lord, their healer, their savior, his name, Jesus. You know, a few months ago, back in October, I shared with Sarah something I saw online that I thought was pretty funny. It was Halloween decorations. And um, someone had turned their uh, front yard into a 2020 graveyard. And on each of the tombstones were things like our Hawaii trip, Joe and Melissa's wedding, JC Penny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I laughed too. There were some funny ones. Uh, I was laughing about it for a few days. And then shortly after that, the reality hit me because in 2020, we all lost. Right? COVID changed everything. And aside from the present reality that we're in, needing to make all these adjustments, and deal with all the changes, we all lost someone or something. We're all grieving. Some of us lost jobs or income. Some of us lost friends, loved ones. My own grandmother passed away from COVID just last weekend. We've all lost someone or something this last year. And not only do we have that in common with the people in the story, but we have it in common with each other. We all are grieving right now. And can I just tell you today that Jesus, he sees you in your grief. He sees you in your loss and he loves you so much. He showed his humanity when he wept with Mary and he shares in your story and your sorrow today. And if you're hurting, if you're grieving, it's okay. Jesus loves you. He loves you. And he's going to see you through this just like he saw Mary and Martha through this as well. You see, Jesus, he doesn't want us just to survive grief and loss. He doesn't want us to just survive our crisis. He wants us to thrive. He wants to amaze us. Because every loss, every struggle, every trial, every need, it's an opportunity for a miracle. Because while we might see an overwhelming mess, Jesus sees an opportunity for a miracle. One of the things I love about this story, and this is the second commonality, everyone got to see Jesus make something impossible, possible. Everyone. Everyone got to witness the miracle. Of course, the believers got to see it. We would expect that. But what about the bypassers? What about his own disciples that were like, nah, Jesus, we're too consumed with our crisis. Or what about the blamers that said, God, you abandoned us. You're not really who you say you are. You know what, church? They got to see the miracle too. 
And God wants you to know today that every single one of you qualifies for a miracle. Every person hearing the sound of my voice right now, you can be the recipient of a miracle working power of Jesus Christ because every person has the opportunity to watch God make something impossible possible. In verse 27, Martha says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha was a believer, not just a Christian, but a believer. She had a confidence in Jesus in spite of her crisis. She trusted Jesus for something amazing, even though it may have felt like he abandoned her. And she held on to the hope that Jesus could work a miracle in the midst of her mess. Martha believed Jesus for the impossible. Jesus wants us to believe for the impossible too. Verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then in verse 40, he says to Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Church, are you hearing me today? Did I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And I feel like Jesus is asking this of us today. Do you believe, church? Because Jesus wants to make believers out of all of us. Today, right now, in this moment, Jesus is here. He's speaking to us today. He's saying, I am resurrection and life. Do you believe? I am your healer today. Do you believe? Sir, I am your provider. Do you believe? Ma'am, I can save your marriage. Do you believe? I am creator. I am helper. I am comforter. I am peace. I am strength. I am joy. I am good. I am faithful. I love you. I am with you and I am for you. Do you believe today, church? I'm just wondering if there's anybody in this place that would stand up and say, I still believe in Jesus. I still believe that he's good. I still believe in the miracle power of Jesus. I still believe that all things are possible through Christ. Somebody in place say amen. Hallelujah. We believe in you today, Jesus. We believe in you. Come on, everybody. Get on your feet. Lift
wants us to be believers again, church. I know this last year was hard. It was hard for all of us. But this is a new year. Today is a new day. And God is still able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. Sure, maybe with man it's impossible, but with God, say it with me, all things are possible. Come on, lift a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe in you, Jesus. We believe in you today. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.